Well, welcome to The Rock this morning. If you will stand with me, let's lift our hands. Yahweh, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this people. Thank you for their faithfulness. Thank you for our faithfulness to you, and thank you for your faithfulness to us. We speak as we do each week over the, those who have a platform this morning, that uh, over this county, your word will be spoken. No matter what the agenda was, whatever the plan was before, that you're wrecking those plans and people's minds and their preparations, and you're letting Holy Ghost overtake this land so that your glory covers this earth like the waters cover the sea. We love you, Yahweh, and we thank you for this opportunity to gather together. Amen? Amen. 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 All right, you may be seated. Such a weird statement, you may be seated. <laughs> Sit down if you want to, stand if you want to, dance around, be crazy, I don't care. Um, <clears throat> yeah, be comfortable, there you go. That's a good way to say it. Well, uh, Zach just came up to me and said, man, I don't know how you speak after, after worship. And I was like, I don't either, because it's getting harder and harder. We're going to just have to do the, if there's a message, speak before and then do worship. Because I, this is not the, the worship is not the vehicle to bring us to this place. And if it is, then this is just to send you right back into worship. Um, this is, there is something on my heart and I believe in the spoken word and I, and I believe that I'm operating in that anointing and that there's worship coming out of me in the words I speak. However, this is not the end goal. And uh, not for today. But I do have something to speak, man. Is this mic just too close to my face? I feel like you can hear everything if I breathe. Um, <clears throat> so it is Father's Day, and I'm going to be careful here because last time when it was Mother's Day, I tried to speak and blew out of contact because I was crying so hard. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it is Father's Day, and I, I want to honor my father, who is probably next door with the kids, but um, he will hear this later. Um, but he is, he is the man I most want to be like. He is the man I'm most like. And, uh, and I, I am so thankful for a patriarch in our family and, a, and, and just such a mighty man to, um, to be an example for me. And it, it's the reason that I'm able to be the father that I am because, as Zach said, the foundation that he laid, just as apostles laid this for us, that we're able to stand on his shoulders and go forward, and that's what blesses and honors him. And um, I remember one story I'll share uh, that's just burned in my memory, and I have many stories of my dad and uh, things that I can think of. I'm sure you do too. Uh, but one of the greatest memories that I have um, is whenever I was a kid and I was learning to, uh, <laughs> Leo, <laughs> he's sitting back eating it, just like, make, he looks just like a lot of you sometimes, just like, I'm sorry. Not all of you, but I'm just saying, it's just so funny to see his face. Um, but I was, I was learning to ride my bike and without training wheels. And, uh, and my, um, my dad, I, I tried day after day, and it was just one of those things I, just, I could not get at the time. I wanted to so bad, so my friends had, had learned, and we lived on this dirt road at the time. And, uh, and my dad uh, decided to kind of make a promise to me, and he was like to kind of give me some motivation. He said, uh, he said, listen, son, if you learn to ride your bike today, if you can ride just from here, which I was at a stop sign, 
to me at our house um, by yourself, then we'll go get you. I really wanted this like bat cave. <laughs> this is really cool. And, uh, and, I was, and he said, we'll go get you that bat cave you've been wanting. And I was like, oh man, that'd be amazing. So I'm trying and trying. I mean, I tried all day. I was just get up, fall right over. And I was getting just busted up. And my dad had told me a couple times, like, Mark, like, it's, it's okay. We'll, we'll wait until tomorrow. We'll, same same uh, offer applies. Like it, but I was so determined I wanted to do it then. And uh, I remember it was kind of getting late in the day. And I, got, I, I was, got my bike and I was pulling it back to the stop sign. And it started to rain. And I knew, like, it was time to go in. Uh, it started to just trickle, and I knew it was, you know, there's a storm coming. And my dad was like, all right, Mark, last time, last time. Um, we'll do it again tomorrow. And I got on the bike, and I was so determined. And the rain starts pouring down, and I just get on that thing. And I start pedaling, and the mud is slinging everywhere. And I'm realizing, like, I'm doing it, and I'm so excited. And I just remember the joy on my dad's face. He was jumping up and down. I went past him where he was and slid my bike down into a mud puddle and jumped up and just ran and jumped into his arms and hugged and swirled around. And it was just an amazing moment that I always remember. And I just remember how much joy he had, probably because he was ready to go inside, but also because for me and the excitement that I had. And so I, I just wanted to share that story. I I love my dad, and he's an amazing man. <clears throat> if there has been one man about fathers and sons, it's possible. And, uh, and we know uh, the kind of place we're in. It's, this is a weird, just let me kind of process with you this morning. Like, it is, I'm in a, we all are, but I'm in a difficult place as far as this goes because, um, there's a sense of us moving on, but there's also a sobriety to the fact of where we are naturally. And, uh, and so I want to be sensitive to that. And it's, it's like a, it's as if it's like this exciting time where I feel like we've had the sails up. And at this point in time, we need to kind of drop the sails for a moment. And we're in this moment in time. And, uh, and for me, just navigating through that and making sure that I'm sensitive to what I'm feeling in the spirit and also sensitive to the time we are in, uh, it, it can be difficult. But I, I want you to know that, um, that nothing's going to honor Apostle Ball like going on. Like nothing's going to honor, if we want to know how to truly honor him, we'll move on, we'll keep going, we'll carry on the kingdom, we'll carry on the legacy. Um, Joanne had me come to her office a couple days ago, and she asked me to, to come listen to, uh, to something, and I, I walked up there, and she went into Apostle's office, and I've, I've been in there since he's not been around up here, um, but just kind of passing through real quick, and uh, I haven't stayed, haven't sat in there, um, and, uh, and she asked me to come up there, and I, she was playing something on a tape player that was in his office, um, which you already know the mood in that, just the sound of a tape player is just, it's already, I know I'm about to start bawling. And I, I figured what this was, what was coming. But I, I sat down in the chair across from his, where he, you know, he sits. And, and I just thought about all the times that I've sat in that office. And I know many of you know that feeling, have sat there um, yourselves. And I, I know times that I've shared in transitions in my life or hard things I was going through or good things I was going through. Um, Eva and I have sat there together and talked about, you know, asked, you know, asked for blessing and getting married. We've, uh, we've, we've talked about times that we are moving and, and just received so many things. And I was actually thinking about in that moment, the last time I remember, usually this always happens, those of you that have 
been in there and been in that moment, usually that man always gets up the end and he'll, this is what he did with me, I guess I don't know what he did with you, um, but he would get up and he would, he would hold out his hand and that big, you know, everybody talks about his hands and uh, he, would, he would hold my hand, he would just pray or prophesy or whatever came to his heart about that moment, hug me, tell me he loved me, blessed me and went on and I, I remember the last time that I was in there, I can't even remember the moment. Honestly, it doesn't matter because I can kind of remember the feeling. But for some reason, he had had me and him got down on our knees. And he was speaking his blessing over the situation. I don't even remember, again, what I was there for. But all these, what I'm saying is all these, you know, memories just kind of flooded me when I was sitting there. And I was, I was already trying to hold it together. And she, she hit play on the, uh, on the tape player. And um, his voice Man, his voice came over that that tape player, and it was so so powerful and so rich and so deep. And uh, he started to talk about um, this was this was still Dorigo Park Assembly of God at the time, and he started to talk about the vision. And he started to talk about how the vision, he always believes the vision is greater, should always be greater than the man. And that the man should never be able to carry the vision. He talked about that, that the vision's too big for just one man and it's too big for this congregation. He said that what, what is important about the vision, if it's from Yahweh, that it should, it should exhaust all resources that that man has. It should put you in such a place to re- that you cannot do it yourself and that you have to rely fully on him. And at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, when the race is run and it's finished, that you should look at that man and all glory should go to Yahweh. That it should not be about the glory of him because what you see is all you can say is we honor that man for carrying that vision and being a willing vessel. But ultimately, when you look at Apostle Ball, even though he was one of the greatest men I know, and what he, but what he carried and the, us crossing paths with him and what he's done is impossible for one man. And it's so encouraging and so uplifting to realize that Yahweh fell on him in such a way that he was able to carry this thing out through him. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk about the baton being passed. You know, and, and who shall succeed apostle? And, and you know, and, and people have said that about me, like, oh, now you're the successor of Apostle Ball, and that the, the, baton, blah, 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 the baton was passed. But the truth is, is that he didn't pass a baton to one person. In fact, he's been passing a baton his entire, entire ministry through Holy Ghost. And I say this so many times, and I, and, I, and I probably don't need to keep harping on it, but I will because I believe this is what Yahweh's saying, is that this is not about me taking on a baton and, like, carrying you on. Like, this is about us moving together as a body of believers to carry on this legacy of this man. Amen? Like, we all carry the batons, and when you look in the mirror, you can say, successor to apostle, because we carry on the word of Yahweh for this day in this county. And he talked about in that time, he was talking about his vision for Bay County. And just hearing the words Bay County, immediately, obviously, we're here, but it just brought me back to the vision here. And I just, 
there is su- something that's so much bigger than us and so much bigger than our current, current circumstances and what we currently see. And I want to I wanna go back to a, uh, I want to go back to this vision that I had. Um, those of you that were here last week know about it, and um, some of you have shared just, you know, individually. But um, a couple of weeks ago, I had a, a, a vision. I was, I was, first off, this was not part of the vision. This was an actual beckoning over to this platform. I was working over there, and I was just, I, I, I knew I was supposed to come over here. No one was here, and I laid out on this this platform here, and I, uh, and I was just having a moment of, uh, of asking some questions to Yahweh, and uh, Holy Ghost showed me a vision, and in this vision was, uh, I could see a table that looked like it had been eaten at, there was uh, like wine stains, there was, uh, there was uh, um, half-eaten meals, things had been, it looked like there had been basically a party there, like it had been used, and it was, and it was, uh, it was dirty, and it was just like, you know, something had happened there. And I saw, I could see uh, Yeshua, who I knew to be Yeshua, just from about shoulder to waist, uh, step up to this table and grab that linen cloth. And when he grabbed the linen cloth, he flipped it like this. It was just like a kind of thing. And it, when it went up and came back down, I saw this clean white linen cloth lay back over that table. Completely clean, no blemish, nothing, no sign of what had been before. And I saw Yeshua sit down at that table and just start to kind of lay that thing out. And I knew in that time that I was being shown that I was being invited, that we as a people were being invited to the table, to his table. And I was like... You know, we explored some of that last week, but those of you that know me, I'm very practical. Like, there are some things that we won't understand, um, but I like to just dive in. I don't think that we just need to move from things like that. I think we need to, maybe even you might have something that might speak to you. Maybe someone delivers it and something is inside of you that says, I know the, uh, some of the meaning in that. And I think that we will explore that together, and that's what I've been doing. I've been engaging that that vision and seeing what it means because there's some scripture that says uh, that says that says by wisdom the house is built by understanding it is established and I think we're walking in times where we will have the the wisdom we are building um, we are building Ben but we are also going to have the understanding to establish this house to establish this work that Yahweh is doing today a new work and um, so that's really where I want to go today I want to talk about some things. I want to uh, I want to dive into some scripture about what I believe, and I think that it's pretty fitting if you notice throughout scripture that Yeshua was all about dining at the table, right? Like he was always like there's multiple stories from the Last Supper, which is like a time where he chose the dinner table to tell them what was coming next. Like he could have been on the boat, he could have done whatever, but he chose this dinner table, this moment of communion, to give give these guys the news. That this was it was time, and uh, and he he also uh, he also I think it's in Matthew I was reading that he was he said himself that he had been accused of being a glutton and a drunkard because he uh, desired to dine with those that were lesser than what everybody else thought was the you know status quo of what a person should look like, like he 
he did not care. This was, his, this was his thing. There was something about the reason that I'm seeing a table, that Yeshua, the table is, is, a, is a symbolic thing. Oh, man. I've got so many things going through my head. Y'all are, like I said, I'm processing this morning, so stick with me. We will get there. But I remember even, um, you know, the only kind of story that I can pull up of, of what, I, what a table means to me and what it represents is, um, when I was about to be married, Eva and I, it was, we, we got married March 24th, but in February we had, um, I've told the story before about how we got the condo that was over here on the Hathaway Bridge, ridiculous, should not have done that, but I'm happy we did, but we, you know, I talked about our negotiating skills and we laughed, but I'm not in the mood to embarrass myself this morning, so I'm not going to go back there, um, but we had gotten, we, we went and signed the lease for March, but they gave us the keys in February, early February, and we were so excited about moving in. We were so excited about going there, but all we had was a table from college, um, you know, from, from my college days that we were going to bring there. They said, it's okay to start moving some stuff in. We had those keys, and we went out for Valentine's Day dinner, but we were, they asked us for dessert, and we are like, can we get it to go? We want to go up to the condo. So we, we went there, and we had a table. Um, that we had put up there, and we put it on the balcony, it overlooked the water, it was beautiful, it was awesome, and we were sitting there at this table, and we started to talk about just how thankful we are for where we were at that time, and we weren't very far along, there were a lot of questions, there was a lot of, you know, especially a lot of you know, in those times when you're, you're about to enter into a new life, like, there's even questions of, like, I'm not, well, for some, I'm not used to, like, sharing my bed. I'm not used to sharing my toothbrush. I'm not sh- used to doing all these things. And, uh, and you're, like, these little things, but then also the big things are there, too, of, like, I'm going to be, you know, sharing so much uh, financially of my life. Like, we have, we have been in a relationship, but this is another level. And, you know, making sure that you provide and do things right as a husband or as a wife. Like, uh, there's a lot to that. But we sat there, and all we talked about was our thankfulness uh, for where we were. And I believe that there's, a, there's, there's uh, a lesson there in the fact of the only way to approach this table. And we're going to get into what I believe this table is. But the only way to approach this table of Yeshua is that there is, 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 is a, from a heart of thankfulness. Because thankfulness completely does not make it about you. No circumstances, it doesn't matter. Like, you don't come to that table because, like, there is going to be an exchange that takes place at that table, but you come to that table with a heart of thanksgiving of what you know is to come, but what you've already experienced. And when you do that, it shuts your mind and your soul off to what your circumstances currently are, and you make it about him, not you. See, so many of us come in here in a time of worship, and we don't think this. We say, yeah, it's Yeshua's table, but really we come and we think about our table, we think about our needs. We think about the, the reason that I need, what I need to exchange here. And I've said it too, and I believe that there is a time there. But this time, when you can come in here and completely surrender it all to him, you're making it about his table. And uh, the other thing that thankfulness requires a lot of is faith and faithfulness. And I've been saying this lately, but faithfulness does not require position. Like, because we have been faithful, and this is why we should be thankful, because just because we have been a faithful people does not give us the right to move on. Faithfulness is about being full of faith for the situation in which you're 
locking your faith into. So when we come in and we say that when we come to a table and we come out of thankfulness, we have to be full of faith of what's to come, full of faith of, of, of why we approach that table, but also with a faithful heart that we, we're not there for us and for the exchange. We're attaching our faith to what Yahweh is doing in this time. So um, I, uh, I think about Yeshua and, uh, and some of the things that I've read about him and how he approached things. And Ben, you were singing about it today, and we talk about looking up to heaven and looking up. And, and the religious mindset tells you that, well, we're looking up to a place that's off in the sweet by and by and we'll fly away, oh, glory. But apostles taught us that that is all around us, that heaven is a realm that, we, that there's a thin veil between this thing. It's within us. It's around us. It's everywhere. So why in the scripture does it talk about, like, when Yeshua was, um, when he uh, raised Lazarus from the dead is a big one, that he looked up to the heavens and gave thanks and then performed this miracle. When he fed the 5,000, he looked up to heaven, was thankful, and then started breaking the bread. And I think that, and there's multiple times, like we even read it about um, not that long ago, about whenever he rode in on the donkey and feeling this thing inside of him, this anguish, that he looked up, that he, and what I believe that is, what it's referencing is that he is elevating himself above his circumstances, out of thankfulness. So when it says he looked up, he's actually transcending his spirit above his circumstances of the time in which he's in. So no matter where you're going and when you approach this table, it's, it's above, it's, it's the, the up here that we talk about, it's a, it's, a, it's a heart thing. It's raising yourself above and saying, I don't care what my current circumstances are, I'm thankful to be at this table, I'm thankful for what's to come. And this table to me represents what we have talked about much, a, a lot about, which is, is the secret place, Ben. That there is a thing that we are walking into that I think we've experienced individually that we're going to start experiencing, not, I hate the word corporately, but as a gathering. But those individual times are going to become even greater, those secret place things. But it's important that we engage this thing now. And not just in here, we keep talking about the same thing. But when Yeshua is inviting us to the table, you think about in Scripture, there's so much of going. You know, the, 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 the gospel is about going. Like, go into all the earth. Go preach the gospel. Go, go spread the good news. Go get disciples. All of these things, it's about going. We go a lot. And even here, as a people, what we've been called to into this, this uh, redemption of Bay County, that we think about the, uh, the going. And there's a lot of things that we are going to be doing and going and, 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 uh, and, and activating some things in our county. And I believe that that's going to be awesome and it's going to be amazing. And we've been very good at going as kings, as we, uh, uh, as we approach situations that we think Yahweh is giving us, but we do not have spiritual authority or access really into these realms if we don't receive the invitation first. There's a rhythm here. There's a rhythm of life of, of, the, of coming into being invited to his table. And I believe that just important as going is the coming. When there's an invitation, I think we need to wake up and look at what is it that we're being invited into. And these are going to be, they already are, I believe, but we're going to experience some of the greatest days that this house has ever seen. The days before have been greater, but he has glorified and will glorify his name. 
So he will not leave us wanting and wondering and, and waiting around and saying, what's to come, what's to come? Like, if we can engage this invitation, because I, I believe that because of Apostle Ball and, and some of the things that we walked out, that we have embraced that, that in spiritual authority, that, that kingdom. He, he modeled it perfectly. But I want to I read into a story that I believe will lay some context to where we are. And we don't get there because we were faithful. We don't get there because we were faithful to Apostle Paul. He got there out of faithfulness, Apostle, but not faithfulness to what he came out of. He got there out of faithfulness to what Yahweh was speaking to him. So if you will, turn with me to 1 Kings 3. I want to lay something on you here. I think that this is something that we have, uh, I, I just really believe that this is where we are in so many ways. And this is the story of, of King Solomon coming into his kingship um, after David, which is his father. We talk a whole lot about David. And if there's anybody that was good about the secret place and that spoke about it, it's David, right? And this story is about Solomon after David was on his deathbed, there was a, there was, there was a, you know, kind of question of, of who is going to be the next king and, and who's going to assume the throne. And David had already prophesied that it would be his son Solomon, but when he was weak and he was in this time, that there was an assumption of how that thing's going to look and how that thing's going to work. And, and Solomon, uh, they came and, and basically, they basi basically Solomon was was uh, David took got, came in his mind, they came to him, whatever, and Solomon was going to be anointed king. He rode in on David's donkey, all of that kind of stuff. Um, and, he, and so that's where we are. We're here that, that Solomon has just been anointed king, and Solomon's in this place of like, what do I do now? Um, so let's go to verse 3. And it says, And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of his father David, except that he sacrificed and burned incense at the high places. Now the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, ask, what shall I give you? And Solomon said, you have shown great mercy to your servant, David, my father. So there is a there is a, already a heart in the approach of thankfulness, of where we have been. And, but he understands, like, that wasn't just about him. That there, if we are going to move forward, if he is going to move forward, that it can't just be based on where we have been. That's not going to propel us to where we're going, where he's going. So it says, uh, you have shown great mercy to your servant, David, my father, because he walked before you in truth and righteousness and in uprightness of your heart with you. You have continued this great kindness, in, uh, kindness for him, and you have given him a son to sit on the throne as it is this day. So again, this is about David. This is the faithfulness of the father to David. It's not about Solomon, and it's not about the people yet. It's talking about because of who David was, you have given him me. You have given him an ongoing of his legacy. But there's also still a key there because when David's gone, what happens? And so it says, uh, 
So this is where it gets important to me. It says, now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David, but I am a little child, and I do not know how to go out or come in. In and out. In and out. There is a rhythm here. There's something that, that Solomon noticed that David had, that he knew about this secret place. We've read about it a lot at the Brook of Bezor. When, when David was about to be stoned by all of these people, all of his followers, all that he has done, he separated himself for a moment. In that time, it was an ephod that he separated and went, and, and he strengthened himself in the Lord. In a moment in time, David realized he was all about the fact that I am not here to fight the battle, but I'm here to, to engage the Father, and through that, I'm able to go out as a king. David never assumed kingship. He actually was a better priest than a king, but because he was such a great priest, such, since he was such a good secret place seeker, he was able to be released into kingship and do things that this little boy and I don't know, Sandy says he's not little, but, but his, his, what he was viewed as was that people, that he did not have experience or qualifications, that he could not do what he did, right? So in those eyes, he was little, but his thing was always about Yahweh. His thing was always about the secret place and seeking things of the Father, not for natural gain. He strengthened himself in the Lord Though he was going through a moment, he came to a place like Yeshua did where he could raise himself above his current circumstances, give thanks, and then activate what, that which was in him, that Yahweh put there. There is a spiritual connection that must happen. And so this thing of out or come in, I do not know how to go in and out. He noticed and recognized the rhythm of his father, but this is what I think is interesting. It was his father. Don't you think... Don't you think if it was possible, if, if he had a relationship with his father, which I'm not saying that he does, he didn't, and I believe he did, what I'm saying is, don't you think that it would be an easy thing to impart, dad, how do you do that? You know, what's that about? But there's a key here in the fact of that he did not know, that he said, I do not, I am a little child and I do not know how to go out or come in. That I think that there is something that cannot be imparted by that which was before you. There is something you have to come to a crossroads where you say, like, I'm not going to get there by yesterday's manna, and we can't strike the, right tw the rock twice, right? Like, we can't look the same way. We can't do things the same way. Uh, though it worked at that time, how do we engage it today? And there is a responsibility for us as individuals. We keep talking about this, but this is something that I want to hammer home to us, that there is a responsibility for us as individuals not to look to the man or look to one person or look to one revelation as your guiding voice. But rather, you need to look to him as your guiding voice. And you need to learn how do you go in and come out. Otherwise, you're walking in assumed kingship. And it will be knocked down. So let's keep going in this. Thanks, brother. Um, and your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great, a great people too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people 
and, and, and we all know that the understanding in most, most translations is wisdom, that he asked for wisdom. And, uh, and it says that I, ha- that I may discern between good and evil for who is able to judge this great people of yours. This speech pleased the Lord that Solomon asked him for this thing. Then God said to him, because you have asked this thing and have not asked long life for yourself, nor have asked for riches for yourself, nor have asked for the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice. Behold, I have done according to to your words. See, I have given you a wise uh, and understanding heart so that there has not been anyone like you before. We're talking about Solomon, who was the son of David. There has not been anyone like you before, nor shall any like you arise after you. Does that mean that now the next generation after we're gone won't be great? No, they'll have their own in and out lifestyle. And that their their anointing and what they walk in, if we can appropriately bridge that gap as people who walk in and out as priests and kings, then they can see a model that they cannot become that because we taught them, but they can see it as a witness of there's something there that can cause us to go in and out, that there's something about a secret place lifestyle, that there's something about an, an individual that desires to, to be in a secret place, desires to come to a table, not their own, not based on their own circumstances, but based on the fact that they know it is their life source. Like that is the stream, right? And it says, and I have, I have also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be anyone like you among the kings all your days. So if you walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. So we talk so much about the byproduct. And when there's an invitation to something as a people, as an individual, you need to approach this thing not based out of your needs and your circumstances, but based out of that heart of faithful thankfulness. Because out of that, everything else flows as a byproduct. Right? Do you hear this? Is this making sense this morning? So I keep saying, and, I, and I, don't, I, don't, I don't intend to speak long this morning or usually most times. I want to hammer down this one thing, and I want to be propelled right back into worship. I want, to, I want you to hear what I'm saying and what's on my spirit, and I want to get out of the way and let us go back into worship here for a time while we're together. But I am stirred, and I believe that when we approach the table rightly, Yeshua is stirred. In Ezekiel, it talks about the Levitical priesthood, those that were called apart from the other Levites, that they came in to minister to the Lord. They were called to minister to him, not him to us, but them to him. And I believe that when you pr- approach this table, when you approach this secret place with a heart of thankfulness, that he is also stirred, that through the son, we get to the father. That he, Eva tells me not to do that. She's like, wait until you get done speaking with a phrase and then drink water. But for some reason, I'm like, but he, cliffhanger. (laughs) And now that I said, I don't even know, but he. But anyways, he, 
he, he's, he, is stirred, he is stirred in his spirit, and he acts as an intermediary for us to the Father because of the relationship. And the thing that I've learned about a relationship is a relationship is, a, is not this given. Because a relationship, by definition, I think I wrote it down. And Kevin, this is not semantics. Where's Kevin? My man. He's here. Let's give them a round of applause. I'm so happy to have Kevin and Jessica and Nora and Ruby and Violet. They're from the Rock of Northwest Arkansas and so thankful to have them. My little sister's here this morning, Sarah Beth. And my brother Demetrius is here as well. Happy to have him. And anybody else that's here that I haven't spoken to. Um, where was I going, guys? That's what I was, that's, see, that's why they're here. Help me out. I don't even know if I have it written down. But anyways, basically, oh, I do have it as, the way in which two or more concepts, objects, or people are connected, or the state of being connected. And what I wrote in my note is, the quality of the relationship is dictated by the value you hold in the relationship. Because the thing is, is that we talk about relationship, and we can say the table is the relationship, like we are, we are approaching this table for relationship, or that we walk in relationship. But the truth is, is that by law, I am in a relationship with Eva. But the value in which I hold in our relationship is what causes it to increase and which causes the exchange. So I can have kids, and there's many fathers out there this morning that uh, can't even be put in the category of fathers, but uh, someone that has, that has produced a child that they literally walk in, this, in this, this, uh, this state of there's no real true quality in the relationship, but technically they're their father. And so I... I'm stirred this morning to, to, to hold value in the fact that we need a true quality relationship at this table to move forward as individuals, but I think we're going to experience this corporately. I turned down the lights. I know that's weird for some, and I've gotten already so many comments about, it's dark in here. It's dark. It's, I know it's dark. But sometimes I just want things to be a little bit different, all right? I want things to seem a little bit different. I want us to disengage our minds and our thoughts and looking at other people and what they're doing and how they worship and how this should look. And I want us to get in a vein, in a relationship, in a, in a, in a, in a secret place vein with the Father of coming in and going out. Because when we come in this this place, in these four walls, we should walk in as priests. When you are at home, when you are at your supper table, when you walk to, in those times, it should be a time of secret place, of the inn, to equip you for the going out. There's kings and priests. I believe there's saints and sons. Chris talked about this before, but I really believe that we've transitioned in a time where we talk about that the, the uh, fivefold ministry was here for the equipping of the saints. Just so you know, we are all about the fivefold ministry, that we are founded on that. But we've come to a place of where that was not the end, but we have been equipped as saints. And as we are saints, as we walk in the priestly duties, now we can walk as sons. And we can walk as kings in this, in this area, in this area of influence. That is how we affect this world. Chris, my man, you guys come up here, please whole team. Nobody saw it. Just keep walking, dude. I've fallen more times than I want to count. Um, my sister trips upstairs. <laughs> she doesn't fall downstairs like most people, but she is walking upstairs and trips. Um, Y'all stand with me this morning. 
I really, really, really believe this in my spirit, that we are being, we are being called to come in. We have been sent out, and we are all about, if you think about where we came from, it was all about sending. It was all about sending out the sun, sending out us into different places, and there will be sending out. But I don't believe it looks the same, but there will be sending out of ourselves. There will be going. But more importantly than that is the coming, the coming to his table, to not making this about us and what, what's the vision for this house? What do we do? Where are we going next? And be okay in this moment. Be okay in the time that we're together and that it does not matter about what's next. It does not matter about when are they going to stop the worship so we can get up and, and hear someone preach or, or when, when are they going to stop preaching so we can get back into worship. But we are going to be in a place where there's this rhythm of we recognize the reason for us coming is the coming in. There's, a, there's an equipping that happens, but it's a new equipping. Like we have been, been equipped and we don't get to where we're going by riding off of where we've been. Faithfulness does not require a position. Faithfulness, you're not really walking in faithfulness if you believe that because you have been here and because you have been faithful, now I should have this. That's not right. That's not faithfulness. Faithfulness is being full of faith with whatever you've attached that to. And in that time, when that thing changes or it shifts or it goes somewhere else, you say, oh, man, that doesn't feel right. That doesn't feel like naturally what I was used to, but I'm faithful to that thing. So I don't care. I'm going to shift back with it. What do I need to do today? And right now, I believe that Yeshua is calling us to his table, that we are going to learn for today what Apostle Ball walked in, what David walked in, this Ben said something about the tabernacle today. I'm very interested in the tabernacle of David. But I believe as a people, we're going to be walking in this in and out lifestyle. That that's what we're called to. The rhythm of life is in and out. Don't try to be a king without first being a priest. Don't try to assume sonship without first being that equipped saint in his secret place, at his table. Amen. I want to, uh, you guys, I want to I wanna just, I want to worship for a, a little bit longer. And I mean praise and worship. I know that worship is multifaceted. But I really believe in this, in this, 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 this in thing this morning, in understanding this together.